at the end of the day, my hairstylist, my makeup artist, the things they're going through, that's the most important thing. And so how can I be a blessing to those people there and then just get to play on the side? You're listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm your co-host, AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Algott, and coming up in episode 198, the third and final part of our long-ago chat with actress and good friend of the podcast, Emily Rose. In part three, Emily chats about finding and being a mentor, about playing and playing herself in the Uncharted trilogy of games, and the simple way that she handles feelings of insecurity when working a new job. That and so much more coming up in episode 198, just two episodes away from the big 200. So stick around. Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from VO2Gogo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2Gogo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO2Gogo.com slash start. And this episode, as well as episode 200, is brought to you by The Headshot Truck, an all-inclusive mobile photography studio. Rain or shine, come hell or high water, the goal of The Headshot Truck is to give every individual the opportunity to produce a rock-solid set of headshots. With full support from a makeup artist, wardrobe consultant, and photographer, all of them on board for every single shoot. The truck can also turn into an interactive photo booth Hint, hint, wink, wink. <laughs> Perfect for any wedding or event looking to spice things up. Visit theheadshottruck.com for more info and follow The Headshot Truck on Twitter and Instagram at Headshot Truck. The Headshot Truck, it's the best way to get shot in L.A. What is uh, what's new in your world this week? On the outline here, you wrote "filling the well." Yeah, I just I, I for some reason, uh, Jasmine and I just just consumed a lot of films this this week. I saw five movies, three of which were in the theater, um, and only one of which I had seen before, and it, f- it just felt awesome. Like it was a great way for us to spend time together and connect, but also you know. Um, Julie Cameron talks about in in uh, the artist way, you know, filling the well. Like we can't just be outputting creativity all the time. We have to consume it as well, so that we are um, filling the the well of our creativity. And you know, some of it was was I don't want to call it frivolous, but some of it was more fun than than artistic. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I might be shooting myself in the foot here uh, by saying this, but you know, we went to saw, we went to see Jurassic World, and it was epic. 
total blast. I, I, I had so much fun. If, if you're as big a fan of the first movie as, as I am, it, it, it's it's such an amazing love letter to that original film with cool. uh, actors reprising roles and people, uh, you know, making references to the first film. And uh, yes. it, was, it was so much fun. Um, we got to see a sneak peek or a, a, a preview of um, Michael Fassbender's uh, Macbeth. Oh, epic! Mary with Marianne Cotillard, yeah, and uh, it was it was good. I have some some complaints about it, and then uh, I'll be talking about this later because it's my pick of the week. But we saw um, Inside Out as well, right? And right. so it was just like I don't know. It, it was just one of those. We, and then we rented a couple of movies on on iTunes at home. So it's just one of those movies, or one of those movies, one of those weeks where I just consumed. You know, I was filling filling the well, and it really did. You know, I, I can't point to anything practical or pragmatic or, or or concrete, but it really did feel, you know, I get inspired when I see good stuff, when I see good content. I get I get really inspired and it and it 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 just totally changes that whole day. You know, we went to a matinee of, of Inside Out and that whole day was epic. I just felt really good and really motivated and, mm. uh, you know. Um, we, we got, we got, not only did we get all of our stuff done, but then we went out and had, and, and had fun the rest of the day. We did the Staten Island ferry for the first time. Anyone who follows me on Instagram or Twitter saw that photograph that oh I took. Oh my God. It was so gorgeous. The photograph of the statue that he posted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that, and that's like, that happened all, all in the same day. And so, <laughs> you know, it was just one of those things where it's like, it almost made me feel like that part of a morning routine, it, would be it would be awesome to include a, a, a way of filling the well as part of your morning routine. I know we do mm. a lot of, um, you know, we do morning pages and we sort of try to get our minds to a blank slate, if you will, like get the stuff out of our heads to to create the the blank canvas upon which to paint whatever it is that we want to create. But there uh, there's also something to be said for, you know, doing that and then doing I don't know something that also like fills you up. Like my yeah. uh, my idea notebook that I that I that I started, um, that has been part of my my morning routine. Like I just I, I'll I, I like force myself to come up with an idea. <laughs> anyway, I you know because we did we we saw that movie early in the morning. We you know it was a matinee uh, showing, so I feel like I don't know. I, I'm not suggesting people wake up and watch a movie first thing, but why not? <laughs> maybe maybe that's a thing. You know, if you want to be a filmmaker, for instance, if you woke up at seven a.m. And went to the gym, and then came home and watched a movie. Like I don't know, what, what, how would that change your the way that you go about the rest of your day? Yeah, I, I, that's that's one thing I love about the idea of a morning ritual or a morning routine is that it just kind of programs you for the rest of the day. The, the, those first ninety minutes or so of the day are so essential to the next like twelve or fourteen or however long uh, or um, hours that is. Um, so yeah, that's, that's huge. And when you were talking, I was reminded of something that Austin Cleon writes about in how to steal like an artist. He said his mom always told him when he was a kid, garbage in garbage out, meaning that the stuff that he feeds his brain is what's basically going to come out. And so he started to realize that, you know, it's really important what I sort of expose myself to. Like I have always admired so much that you really take the time in your life to, to give yourself the opportunity to soak up new experiences and art and you get out of the, your sort of daily routine pretty regularly and, and go see and do things. And 
Um, it's like the opposite of garbage in, garbage out. It's like excellence in, excellence out. You know, <laughs> variety in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> variety. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. That's funny. Um, cool. Now I saw you post about this on social media, but I'm I'm really excited to hear you talk about it. So I'm glad you added it to the um, to the outline. What is this uh, climate reality leadership core thing that you applied to? So yeah, this is um, Al Gore's climate reality project. It's not really. I mean, he. I guess he started it. Uh, and you know, Al Gore's a little bit of a of a uh, polarizing figure. No pun intended. Hey yo. Um, hey yo. <laughs> but uh, I, I I'm a big. I don't want to say fan. I just I really. Um, I, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm on board with his work. I have made myself a little bit of an armchair climate scientist and anthropologist over the over the years you know I, I find myself gravitating a lot to um these issues and it's it's become more and more of a, of a, of a big deal for me the more i learn about it and so finally I, i've been getting these emails about the climate reality leadership core training that they offer uh every six months or so in countries all over the world they do them in africa they do them in australia they do them in canada um, the next one is here in, or, I'm sorry, the one in fall is here in Florida and, um, it's a three day training and it's free to attend, but participants pay for their own lodging and travel. And it's just about, it's, it's designed to bring together, you know, people from all walks of life, but also scientists and, and people with, uh, you know, um, uh, storytelling skill sets and whatnot. And they, they bring everything together in this three day training and they, they present the sort of latest science and talk about how, you know, each one of us can mm, bring the information to our communities and our worlds, our individual worlds, uh, in a, in an impactful way, in an effective way, in a way that's not going to alienate people. And that's going to sort of, you know, take this issue to the forefront to people's minds. So, um, I, I just, I saw it and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to be a part of the solution. In, in a bigger way. And so I applied for the Climate Reality Leadership Corps training in uh, Florida in September. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I might, that was actually my next question. I was going to be like, is this something that you do, you know, through webinars or do you actually go to a place? Yeah. You, yeah. You actually go there. It's in <clears> Miami. <throat> uh, they, they, they choose cities around the world that are sort of uh, like at hot, climate hotspots, like places that are going to be affected sort of first. Uh, as the as the planet continues to warm and you know all these sort of disruptions happen in the climate, um, and so Miami is one of those places that's kind of on the chopping block <laughs> because it's just an an ecologically fragile place. Yeah, um, yeah, it's gonna. I, I calculated it's gonna cost about nine hundred dollars for me to get myself out there, get you know adequate hotel lodging and food, and get myself back. Um, you know, give or take a few bucks for taxi cabs and things like that. So uh, I've applied and I'm going to figure out how to create the money. And I, I think I might actually just let friends and family know and being like, hey, if you guys can chip in a couple bucks, this is what I'm up to. And I'd, I'd love to have your support. I think I'm just not going to hesitate this time to ask for help and support, which is a stretch for me. But uh, I don't think I've ever asked anybody for money. Um, so, wow. but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, man. And I, I feel really strongly about it. And as soon as I started the application and I was just like overcome with a sense of, yeah, this is, this is right. Uh, well, I will be, uh, you, you let me know when that link goes up, I'll be putting, uh, 
putting my money towards it for sure. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much, man. So, um, we're just two episodes away from episode 200. Yes! And uh, we've had a lot of support and a lot of cool things happening for this for this episode. Uh, as people know, it's a live and live-streamed panel with the creative team behind the, the, the sci-fi show Defiance. The number one sci-fi show, I think, on right now, right? Yes. Yeah, and we're talking like showrunners and producers and writers and... I'm stoked about this. Bear McCreary, who's the, the guy who did this, the music for it. He also did the music for Battlestar Galactica, music for Walking Dead. Uh, it's going to be awesome. So that's going to be at the SAG Foundation uh, this coming Monday, June 29th. And, uh, and then we're going to have a big party afterwards at the parlor. And we're going to have some pretty cool people there, like the Headshot Truck, uh, Brandy Ford, who's a, a, a sort of a figure, I feel like, in the, in the acting community out here. She's got a a side job called Sugar Swag Bake Shop that she started. And it's like amazing cupcakes and cookies and things like that. And she's uh, gonna be supporting us with like custom made treats. Uh, and then of course, LA Actors Tweet Up is co-hosting this party. And we're also gonna be, uh, we're very proud to ally ourselves with viotagogo.com, rehearsal, the app, and Miss in, Ms. in the Biz. So it's going to be epic. Did I leave anything out? I feel like I should talk more um, about this. The only thing uh, I want, well, uh, first of all, I was going to mention that uh, we are going to be using, you didn't mention the hashtag, right? Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah, we, so we are going to be using um, a hashtag so that people can sort of keep up with all of the information and what's going on. Then, of course, live tweeting and stuff on the evening of. It's uh, it's very simple. It's just hashtag IAP200. So use that hashtag when you are, you know, talking about it online or, you know, if, you're, if you book your reservation. The RSVP link is going to be – we've been – tweeting it and facebooking it and everything but it, just make sure that you get yourself you know you go to that rsvp and you, you reserve a seat because it will fill up and uh, there's no there's a limited amount of amount of space so the link is on our website uh, the sag foundation website we've been tweeting it like crazy it'll be in the show notes for this episode etc um, and then the last thing is um, we've been talking about the creators but uh, we didn't necessarily, you know, throw down and, and, and name drop. So Trevor just, you know, uh, you just talked about like the, the main sort of nerdgasm <laughs> name that people are really excited about, which is Bear McCrary. Um, but I just wanted to kind of briefly talk uh, about our guest, Kevin Murphy, who is the showrunner, uh, Todd Slavkin, Slavkin and Darren Swimmer, who are a writing team and also executive producers. Michael Nenkin, who's an executive producer who also directs many of the episodes. Uh, Paul Leonard, who's a co-executive producer and does uh, a lot of the post-production. Those are just the brief synopsis of what these panelists do. Their their bios uh, individually are insane. And you can see them on the SAG Foundation's uh, website at the link for our event. It, it, it's amazing. Like the, the stuff that these that these panelists have been involved with is like crazy. It's like who who else is making television out there because they're yeah. making you know a, a lot of it, mm-hmm. and um, it's just so cool. It's so cool. So excited about about this and and the after party and everything. Um, I found out yesterday. Uh, oh no, I think I announced this before because I thought this was going to happen, but I found out for sure yesterday that my mom 
will in fact be at the party. Oh, epic. <laughs> and probably re- she's probably going to reserve a spot for the uh, for the live stream too. Oh, that is so cool, man. <laughs> that is so cool. Your parents she's a are listener, so in- man. There's yeah, she's so involved with the podcast, man. It's so great. Whenever I see her, she's always like she references the podcast like something I said recently in the podcast. I'm like, "You listen. You listen. Then you listen." <laughs> listens pays attention so yeah cool. she got a long commute to work so uh that's, 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 so cool. i think that's when it's happening so awesome sweet we're looking forward to that hashtag iap200 what 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 sweet well we have a question that we want to respond to briefly on this episode but before we get to that we want to give a big fat shout out to Rehearsal 2. It's the app for actors. If you want to learn your lines and be off book for your audition, auditions, 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 <laughs> explore your character and make stronger choices. There's an app for that and it's called Rehearsal 2. It is the best of the best, the cream of the crop. I use it. AJ uses it. Everybody who knows what they're doing uses it. Rita Wilson uses it. Gwyneth Paltrow has been known to use it. These are facts. You can look them up online. Uh, you can download <laughs> this app right now uh, at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. Do it and thank us later. Woohoo! Yeah. So we have a, um, uh, a question, a brief question from a listener named JD who comes to us from Connecticut. Uh, he says he'll be moving to L.A. pretty soon, but he's getting most of his work as an actor right now in Boston and New York City. Uh, but he's wondering if we have any tips on how to get on where to get started, just sort of in general, uh, not only out here in L.A., but I think I think more in general as an actor, because he says that he he rarely gets uh, many auditions uh, in New York and Boston. And since we have sort of stopped self-submitting sort of en masse, uh, what are what are some better ways, some better alternatives for finding decent jobs? That was kind of the crux of his question. And I, I haven't stopped submitting, self-submitting altogether. I still self-submit every day, but um, I'm very picky about what I submit to. And I've found that most of my jobs come just come from, directly from people that I've already worked with or that I already know. Like Doug Jones said just a few episodes ago, like your relationship with directors being probably the... the the sort of best currency you'll have in your in your acting career, I think is 100% true. I, I'm finding more and more that like, I don't need to submit as much because I have people I've worked with before just kind of thinking about me for stuff that I'm, I'm right for in their newest projects. So that's kind of my, my shoot from the hip response to this. Do you have anything you wanted to add, AJ? You know, we could talk about this for an entire episode, I feel like. Um, I, I, I would say... It's probably best that he focuses, JD, that you focus on building a community is the best thing, you know, way I can, I can describe it. So Trevor's talking about, you know, how important those relationships are. And it's so true. And I, I guess one of the best ways to do that is to build a community. So if that means that you get involved with like a theater company in Boston or New York or LA, when you get there so that you can uh, start building those relationships, get involved be in shows, be acting so that you're getting better. Um, and then potentially parlay those into other things like what film projects are those people working on? Can you, you know, help out on set, whether it's just making coffee or holding a boom mic or whatever, so that you're, you know, you're, you're being a contributor to the art that that's being created. As far as 
finding either that community or jobs on your own online. You, I mean, you could use things like Backstage. You could use things like Equities, uh, Actors Equities website, um, which is just act, actorsequity.org. And if you just want to be working or building a reel or what have you, I, the other thing I would suggest is finding the the schools around you, either in Connecticut or Boston or New York or Los Angeles, and, and getting yourself into uh, maybe some student films Though that's going to not only create real footage for you, but those are the directors of tomorrow. So taking a page out of the the book of Doug Jones, you know, you, you'll you'll end up you'll end up cre- you know creating those relationships before they're even you know working professionally. Yeah, and you and you can pretty quickly tell who is essentially going to have their shit together after they graduate and who isn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. be, be prepared. Yeah. To work some really shitty jobs that you wish you hadn't. No, not that I regret anything I've done. Um, but you know, sometimes, it, yeah, like you said, it's pretty clear who's kind of gonna, who's got a future and who doesn't, um, you know, and not a hundred percent of the time. I'm sure that some people just kind of have a bad project, but are awesome creators. But, uh, but yeah, like, like, like you're saying, AJ, I think it's all about, that's, I love the way you put that, build a community, a sort of a personal community for yourself. And that just starts by doing work, you know, work for free, um, work on a lot of student films and just get, start building those relationships and your reputation will start to kind of, uh, grow and evolve and people will refer you to their friends projects. And then as those guys, uh, and girls, you know, continue to, to work after graduation, they're going to start thinking of you for things and it will come back to you in the most unexpected ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, this sort of ancillary part of his question is, um, when he gets to LA, do we have any, any advice for kind of where to start in LA? And I would, I would actually say just everything we've been talking about. Um, it's not really any different. I don't think no matter where you are, I think that those basic principles, uh, apply. Yeah, I, I I did just think of one more thing, and it and it may apply more to Los Angeles than New York. Although, I don't know, they have it happens on both coasts. But there are people who sort of um, <laughs> somehow illegally get a hold of uh, the the breakdowns, uh-huh. uh, even though you're not supposed to have them unless you're uh, uh, an agent. They get a hold of the breakdowns, and then they end up just finding you know email contacts for. Um, for the casting directors, uh, putting themselves on tape and emailing, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, it, it's, it's, it's not necessarily the most recommended way to go about things. Cause you may end up burning a bridge, but there are casting directors out there who love it. And really? they're like, yeah, I mean, we've had them on the show. We've, we've had, we've had people talk about like, you know, find sort of this quote unquote discovering people based on a, a, an unsolicited, you know, submission or um one thing that um that i know ben whitehair has done in the past is put himself on tape for a pilot that he was not actually called in for but his agents um pitch him and just send in the tape wow (laughs) just send in the tape with him having put himself on tape for the role that they're that the casting is is looking for wow um so you know there's if you if you're looking for ways to be proactive, JD, there are plenty. I guess is is my point. So, yeah, I, I don't know that I would condone sending unsolicited taped auditions around. I, I I would love to know 
if it's worked for someone before. Because I have heard casting directors say that, like, you know, I've heard some say that they, they, they hate it and they are not going to respond or, or look at it. And I've heard others say that it's like, you know, whatever, they're looking for a role. And, you know, if, hmm. if they find it that way, then great. So I would love to know if it actually worked. Yeah, someone. I mean, those you know, cast directors are such busy people, and if their emails <clears throat> are found and they start receiving stuff from actors at their email, at their whether it's a personal email or a business email, I, I feel like if I were a casting director, that would sort of annoy me, <laughs> you know, like yeah, oh my god, actors, please back off, you know. Um, but I can see how I don't know, maybe if I had met that actor at a workshop or at a class or something. And I was surprised with a, a taped audition from them in my inbox for something that I did not call them in for. I can see how that might be like, oh, well, you know, they're proactive. They're they're taking a chance. Like, I can respect that. But if it was somebody I'd never met, I'd be like, please, guys, please. <laughs> huh. All right. Well, there's something to, to leave you with, JD. I, I hope that helps. Uh, and as always, use your best judgment to ask around, see what other people are, are doing. And um be uh what's the word i'm looking for you, you said targeted several yeah times, yeah targeted totally so, true. yeah like i would I mean, never i would never just comb the you know the breakdowns for every possible freaking audition and submit for everything you know it's like if you think that you can knock something out of the park like no one else can like you know there's a character named jd from connecticut and you're like oh my god i'm jd from connecticut <laughs> and, yeah right you know find a way to audition for that part Awesome. Well, JD, keep us posted on on how it goes. Uh, I'd really love to hear, um, you know, what, how your journey sort of unfolds. And and when you get to, out to LA, give us a shout. It'd be great to connect with you. All right. So let's roll into uh, the third part, the third and final part of our chat with the gorgeous Emily Rose. Um, um can I say one thing before you roll into this interview? You can say because, one more thing. Because. I feel like we should have known this before, and now that we have to announce it in part three of Emily's Redux, we, it's kind of it made me feel kind of stupid. But um, we discovered actually Jasmine discovered this. Uh, Haven is coming back. What? Yes, it's coming back, and it's coming back this year. And so this Redux is like perfectly timed. And had, had we known about this two three weeks ago. We would have seemed really smart. <laughs> oh my god! And now we have that ship has sailed. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, Haven's coming back. It's actually on their website. You can you can uh, just you can Google search Haven or or whatever Haven Sci-Fi, and um, it's uh, yeah, it's right there. It, it's it's coming back in 2015. They, awesome. they've, they've already announced it, and apparently. Um, William Shatner's going to be on like the, the 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 first episode of the the reboot. Oh, epic! So any, anyway, yeah. So anyway, the, I just wanted to say that before we go into the interview, because like I said, it's had had we had we said that three weeks ago, we would have sounded so smart. Like, yeah. oh yeah, we're bringing back Emily's interview. It's very poignant, very specific. No, we just brought it back because everybody loves this interview, and it's uh, you know pre pre-episode 100 not a lot of people have heard those episodes yeah but uh but in addition to that haven is coming back <laughs> all right well how about that there you go everybody <laughs> damn that's really cool i'm so happy to hear that yeah cool all right well enjoy part three guys and we'll catch you on the other side
there are two things that really kind of came came to mind. This is back from <clears throat> a while ago in the interview, but um, you mentioned uh, that you just asked Gordon Hunt to be your mentor. Uh huh. And that was really neat to me that you were yeah. just like, "Hey, I want somebody to t- show me the ropes. Will you do this?" Yeah. And, I, and my experience has been, I mean, I've never actually asked somebody to mentor me. Yeah. I've always wanted a mentor. Yeah. But I never knew how to go about it. Right. And my experience has been that from hearing other people that most people are flattered that you'd ask them to do that kind of thing. Totally. He and was then, totally flattered. I was like, why wouldn't I yeah, ask you? And, then, and then from there that you, instead of having, because then the next thing is like, oh, I need a coach for this audition. Mm-hmm. I can't afford 75 bucks an hour. Totally. So you did a trade. You did a service trade yeah. with him, basically. You worked on his website and he coached you. So that, that to, there, there are two little like gems of, of wisdom in that right there. Just right. ask and then find a way to make it work. Yeah, if and if I they mean, don't want to do it, then you don't want to be mentored by them, you know? Right. I think, and I, I, I've always had a heart for mentoring. I think it comes from teaching. Like, my long-term goal and dream, the reason why I really want to work is because I want to have these acting camps in the future where I take a small group of kids or high schoolers that want to come into the Los Angeles industry, and I want to do workshops with them, and I want to work with them, and I want to mentor them. And so... I wanted to look for a mentor. And um, so I I had that on my radar. You know, I was like, you know, it's just we we forget about these generations that have gone before us and we just kind of write them off. But you're, they're a wealth of information and how cool to be able to, especially with where we live, you know. I mean, granted, a lot of people are wary of you asking from them for stuff because a lot of people ask with the wrong motives. But I think that if you genuinely say, hey, listen, like I, I remember everybody else and no offense to everybody else, but everybody else would be going out for a smoke break to go smoke and talk about class or whatever. And I don't. So I was in eating cottage cheese and pretzels and sun chips with Gordon and I just was there on our breaks and I just was like hey you know if if after I'm out of grad school if I have any questions or anything can I just like ask you or email you or whatever and do you mentor or do anything like that and he was totally taken aback and yeah sure you know because I wasn't asking for anything from him other than an occasional lunch date where I could talk to him about things that I you know I wasn't asking him because I knew he knew Connie. I wasn't asking him because, you know, of I just knew that he had been in the industry for a long time and so he might have some good wisdom. He in turn like pulled me in to a CTG for the theater and we worked on a workshop, a musical theater workshop together. I learned a lot from stage managing. I stage managed for him and helped him out on that. Uh, when the uncharted auditions came up, um, he had me come in and read because he thought I looked like it the the girl Elena and uh, I was like pressed for time I had to prepare for that audition in 15 minutes because I was teaching theater the whole rest of the day and I didn't get it and he goes well you didn't get it they're going another direction but you know because you wanted to learn about auditions would you come and read across from all the other auditioners that day and I was like I know what you're doing you're a getting in me me in that room all day long giving me a second chance and b you're helping me see what how people audition because I'm green and I don't know. I don't. I feel like there's a right way and I'm not doing it. And mm-hmm. what I found was the right way was people being at ease and comfortable in the room, like it was just something you do. So I went in and I read across from everybody and all the different Nathans, and I saw, you know, how the girls read when they came in for Elena, and I saw that. And at, at the end of the day, they asked me to audition for it, and I knew. I was like, oh. This person's exhausted and breathing really heavy, so it's not going to be weird if in the audition I'm like, ah, ah, 
Nate, wait up. You know, it's like, that's not, it's, that's not weird and too much to do. If I crawl across the bottom of the floor and I use the chairs in the room to kind of build my space in my jungle, if I duck behind a chair, that's not weird. That's using the space and doing the audition. And I got the part. And that was because Gordon was like, hey, just come and watch these auditions. Wow. You know? What a gift. A total gift. A wow. total gift. And I've I've learned more as I've done more series work, even with Haven, when I'm reading across from other people. And we're seeing, like, I can't, part of me loves being in the audition room and part of me hates it because it's like, I know what those guys are thinking when they sign their paper and they come in the audition and they're so nervous to be in front of us. And they shouldn't be. I'm like, I just, I just want to like get up and be like, give him a hug and be like, dude, I'm just like you. Don't worry about it. You've got this, you know, because it's so intimidating when you go in those rooms and it's like a table of, you know, people or producers. You're in there for a bunch of like eight people. I love it when it's that big because it really does feel like small theater to me. And I'm hmm. all about trying to make people laugh and enjoy the scene and really pull them in. But, you know, it's they they've been the same place if they're the writers they're just so excited their scripts getting made you know they've yeah. been pounding the pavement they've been working on that script for probably over a year or so and now you get to bring that script to life in front of them you know they they want to they want to i know you hear it all the time but they want to see you succeed they want to see you bring this character to life you know and so that's a gift. That's that's not going in and it's me versus you and, you know, we'll see if you give me this part and think that I'm good enough. Right. It's just, it's an opportunity to do material and we're so blessed to live in a place in the country where we we have appointments to read scenes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. We really started cool. We started a few episodes back calling them meetings instead of auditions. Yeah, because totally. Because we sort of like took uh, took a little bit of the pressure out of it because it was like you're going to have an artistic meeting with these other artists totally. where you bring your uh what you your artistic gifts and talents to the room and then and they're doing the same thing and you have a meeting to see if um that relationship is going to bear fruit and that you know fruit being you working with them on the actual job on set and moving forward. Right, because know? it does. It extends into when you're working day to day. When you get a show, like, I mean, we talk a lot about the audition process, but on the other side, when you actually do get a show, which you will have the opportunity to do, and you sit on that set and you're sitting in the chairs and you're running through your lines, your work ethic is going to bleed into the, the, the uh, greatness of that show. You know, if I'm on what I consider to be a smaller show that's doing great globally and it's, you know, on a little niche network, which I'm so thankful for because I get to learn on the side where not a ton of people are watching, you know, so that one day I can maybe do network stuff where a lot of people are watching. But right now I'm getting my, you know, legs on a, on the side, which is great. But it's taught me a lot about the like the collaborative process and you know going when you when you get a part and you're invited to come to table reads go to those table reads watch how you know sitting at er and getting to sit around and watch how angela bassett reads a script watch how john stamos reads a script you know to be sitting across from um what's why can't i even remember her name from forrest gump um the, the mom, the fam um, brothers Robert and sisters, Sally, Sally Fields. Fields, thank oh, you, yeah. sitting across from Sally Fields at a, sisters, table, yeah. uh, at a table read and watching how she looks at her script, watching how she messes up, watching how she deals with that, 
you know, once you're on set and you get to see these things, you see, oh, this is what it means to take ownership of my project, to be okay if I mess up, to be okay if I fail, to ask the writers for guidance in this area. If, if, if you're in a series lead position, you know, working on the script to make those scenes better. I've learned a lot about that since of being on the show. All these things are important. If you don't have the ability to take command of your performance, you won't have those tools later on even beyond the audition you mm. know when you're yeah. on the job um i damn it We're, we might have to like release like a third ancillary i know i'm so sorry uh, we still interview. have time for me but it's just whether or not you guys <laughs> no have no it's fine i i think i think we're just going to keep asking questions or i i have one more i feel anyway like before. there's a whole other chapter of this which is the actual like onset project stuff Mm-hmm. that's a whole nother world yeah well maybe we'll just have to have you on again um i i just have one question before we get into our we have two questions that we ask every single one of our guests mm-hmm. so we definitely want to get to those two but um i really wanted to hear you talk because you are doing probably what i what would be one of my dream jobs <laughs> because i'm such a huge nerd for video games mm-hmm. but you are actually playing a character in what, what has become one of the biggest gaming franchises out there no, and exciting. to this day uh is has sort of creeped in i used to not be a big console gamer i used to only be a pc gamer and it's sort of creeped in and become one of my top favorite games of all time which is the the uncharted series um and you've got um uncharted 3 coming out next month which uh i think i don't know if you saw i posted on your facebook but just got uh a 10 out of 10 rating on ign which they do not give they do not give yes on that's IGN, awesome and they called it a masterpiece it is a masterpiece so. i saw it and i was tripping out when i saw amy playing it and then you know what else tripped me out the other day is they send us japanese links of harrison ford playing the game what? No way. And he was like obviously saying some of the things they had scripted him to say, but then they filmed the whole thing like off camera of his true reactions. And to watch Harrison Ford playing our scenes, I just was like, uh and Amy, the game creator, was like, I can die happy now. I can die now. Happy. I That's can amazing. die happy now. So Han Solo's playing your game and yeah. uh, or Indiana Jones is Indiana playing. Indiana Jones game. is playing the Indiana Jones video game. He's playing game. the Indiana Jones video game. Mm-hmm. Um uh, what is that because it's I was you know we've had some people on that have done voiceover we've had some voiceover yeah. actors on but um this game is like so different because you're actually on your feet you're wearing the sort of ball suits you're uh-huh. you're doing the motion capture stuff so and then you do some stuff in the studio where it's you sitting behind a mic you know recording Elena's right. voice so like uh, can you like what has that experience been like is do you just bring the same exact sort of uh mm-hmm. acting chops that, to that as you bring to everything else and what have you learned about the voiceover process yeah it's been it's been the biggest the best gift i could have ever received as an actor a small bunny trail story that i won't go on very long my the first uh, l- large car purchase i made was a small little V6 green Jetta that's now trashed and it's sitting out in the front. But at the time, it was really nice. And I I bought that off of Craigslist from a artist that worked at a small video gaming company called Naughty Dog. And it had a Are Naughty Dog me? license plate you know, cover around it that I just never took off because I thought it was kind of funny that it said Naughty Dog. So I visited the Naughty Dog offices and I gave them, you know, when I was like, oh, you guys do video games. That's cool. Do you use voices while I'm studying acting? I mean, I'll just give you my headshot. Are you kidding me? Not even kidding you. And this was probably a year before I ended up getting that job. 
Wow. That's eerie, right? That is um, crazy. So when they were like, come down to the offices, I was like, oh, I know where it is. My uh, car could probably sniff its way home. Um, um, but uh, no, it, it was a real gift. And it was something that, you know, was a big deal for Naughty Dog because Naughty Dog hadn't done a game of this sort of style before. And it was huge for the industry because the industry had never... Uh, embrace the cinematic as much as this game does as well as not just trying it wasn't about trying to be realistic it was about trying to create human humanity in these characters and so this game was at the first game we just took as a job i was like okay i just got smith and i'll just do this little video game thing you know and none of us knew it was going to turn out to be as amazing as it is and as they started building these characters and, you know, growing with the technology on the PS3 and creating these these scenes, you know, it what it consists for us, to me, is just so close to theater. And I love it. And I work with Gordon on this game. He's our director. Um, but it consists of a rehearsal day. We go down. We sit around the table half a day. We have some lunch as well. And we sit around and we look at the scripts for the next day. We go over them with Amy. We try to figure out where in the context of the timeline it is, the relationships, what's happening, if anything doesn't sit well with us line-wise or anything and we talk about that stuff and then we go out onto the volume the space in this uh, square gray stage with a bunch of red lights around it and um, the uh, at the beginning they pulled a bunch of props in and now they barely use any but uh, they they figure out the volume and they tell you okay this the cistern is here the stairs leading up to it are here the walls are covered in all these like weird engravings here you know and then you go through and you block the scene like you just do in acting and, and in theater rehearsal. Then you go home and you work on your lines, whatever. You come back in nine in the morning, have breakfast, suit up. They put you in like this stretchy sort of wetsuit thing with all these little markers, these little reflective ping pong balls on little every aspect of your joint. You, uh, you maybe read around the table with everybody again. Just go over your lines. Go into the volume. You do something called the T pose, which is you stand out with your arms outstretched to make the letter T. And the um, you go through ROMs, which is you move your body in these certain directions, this dance that they have you do so that the computer calibrates your joints and your movement. And then you can see your body movements projected up on the wall as you're working. You see your little person walking around in their 3d form and if the computer's miscalibrated your like wrist is flipped back and it's like all weird and nasty but they straighten that out later then you do the scene and you have different cameras all the camp you have uh just digital camcorders sony camcorders um three or four people just like a three camera sitcom or whatever floating around filming your face because something naughty dog does not do is they do not do facial motion capture so we don't have like cameras on our faces capturing what we do. They they hand animate the faces of of these characters. Um, so they're recording us for the reference, and then it goes you know into their screens and they animate each scene. They film the scene. It gets logged into the into the computer. We probably do it six seven times you know until they get the read that they want. We also have mics on our heads now. Before we had to. ADR all of our lines but now we're in a sound stage so we're able to do the sound for it I think actually where Polar Express was done um, and then uh, probably the next week later we go to um, we go to the the ADR studios in Burbank and we just do uh, record over any kind of ADR that didn't get picked up by the sound 
And then we also do what's called chasing picture, which is if there's a gameplay sequence, like where somebody's running through the town and getting shot at or whatever, we can throw little like personalized sayings or things in there. Like Nolan goes to town on those things. So that's sort of the process of what we do. But each game, it's stepped up. And the thing that we really love about Naughty Dog and the franchise and the people that create it is that they allow for these characters to be so human. The whole ending to Uncharted 2 which I don't know if everybody knows, but, you know, there's this typical kind of walking into the sunset ending, which is like a classic cliche of an ending. And Nolan and I are walking off into the sunset as these characters, Nate and Elena. And, you know, we're supposed to be just, I think we say something to the effect of like, well, I'm glad you're okay and you're okay too. And then all of a sudden we're walking off and I'm allowed to improv. And I'm like, on a scale of one to 10, how afraid were you that I was going to die? And he was like, uh, a four. And I'm a four. Are you kidding me? It was at least an eight. And we riff probably for a good two minutes over the credits. Like what yeah. video game lets and you that, do yeah, that? And that's in the game to this day. And it's I remember, in the I, game, you know? Cool. Yeah. So I definitely remember it because I was laughing my butt off. Yeah, the, just the authenticity of these characters and the way that you can relate to this character because he hurts when he falls down and he doesn't just get up right away. And the way you can relate to Elena as a girl because she's not just boobs and butt. Like she's actually the girl next door that you think you could hang out with is really is exciting. It's exciting for the industry and it's exciting for actors because there's something else you can do with your profession it's not just limited to your voice yeah do you think i mean do you think that you you would want to sort of i mean this is like kind of an obvious question but i want to hear your take on it like do you think that voiceover work is 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 something that you would care to continue on or do you think that you'd rather be doing the live action stuff or like i would love it i i mean i have my own insecurities that I'm just like, if it wasn't for Uncharted, I'd never be doing any voice work. Cause I, and I don't think I'll ever do any voice work outside of Uncharted because it's just so specific to my voice. Even though I think I can do a lot of really cool voices and I love voiceover work. It's, I'm, you know, I'd need to get the agent. I'd need to come up with a reel. I would need to start that whole process, which yeah. I'm, I'm more than happy to do. I would love to do that because you make a lot of money for a less amount of time and you're not in hair and makeup and you're not just sitting around on set. The life of a voiceover art artist is amazing. Um, but it's, it's, it's just good to know that as your profession, these are all the things like as an actor, if you don't know how to control your voice, you're missing an, an entire part of your instrument. You know, that's something I miss about being in grad school is that accountability to be, you know, exercising my voice and being very aware of it and using it as much as I should be. Um, when I create a character, I don't just want it to be a different side of Emily. I want it to be a distinct character. So it's, it's a good option to have. And I think that if you get excited and enjoy reading stories to kids and like doing voices, that it's something you should look into for sure. Cool. All right. So watch Haven on sci-fi. No, (laughs) plug away, plug away. Um, yeah. When does season three? Season three, um, I think we just found out we got picked up. I, if, I'm guessing if it's on the same trajectory as every other year, we would start filming in April and going until August, and it would probably air in July like it did last year. There's going to be a Christmas episode coming up. Yeah, I'll do my little plugs. Our Christmas episode is going to be in December on the Sci-Fi Channel with all the other Christmas episodes. It's like a gift to fans. It's nothing about the mythology of the show. It's just a fun little haven at Christmas time <laughs> that we filmed in July. So that's interesting. <laughs> and then um, Uncharted 3 comes out on November 1st, 2011. And I'm, I kid you not, 
it is incredible. I didn't think it could get better than two, and it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about it. Um, well, we'll have to have you back on the show at some totally. point to talk about your sort of onset experiences. Yeah, I would love to talk about <clears throat> that stuff because I, I honestly think that um, as much as we can share information as actors, it's it's great. It inspires us. It feeds us. It makes us excited about what we do. And the auditioning is an integral part of acting, but it's such a slice of the pie of all the other things that we need to be aware of. And I think sometimes we do fixate on that because that's the door in. But um, if we're also, you know, aware and privy to what it takes to be on set when we're on it, we're not going to stick out like a sore thumb when, when we actually get that job. We'll be like, oh, good, we prepared for how to audition and then we get the part. Nobody's told me what it's like to be on set. How do I read a call sheet? Who do I talk to? What's happening? You know, I just yeah. had to do that on John from Cincinnati. I had to pull the DP aside, the director of photography, and I just had to whisper to him and say, a little secret. This is my very first job on a series that I've ever had. I don't know what I'm doing in terms of finding the camera, finding my light. Uh, if you could just tell me to the side if I'm doing something and teach me while I'm here because I want to learn from you I so appreciate that Joe I would really appreciate that and he would instead of drawing attention to it he'd just be like hey Em find your light move left it's over there don't cast a shadow on him I'd be like oh oh okay and I'm learning you know and these are the things that were never taught yeah mm. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, that for, for we'll, we'll say that for another time. Everybody's like, no, 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 don't stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm we, never taught this. <laughs> you need to teach me. I've never taught it. So uh, we have two questions that we always yes. ask uh, all of our guests. Um, uh, the first of which is, do you feel uh, w as though this industry or this career or this life path chose you or you chose it? Oh, that's a good question. I definitely have always felt like I'm created for a purpose and I think that I operate in my life under the the sort of idea that if a door opens walk through it until it closes and I've always offered things up when I've wanted them or hoped for them I've just prayed about it I've just been like you know if this is something I'm supposed to do like I'd really like to go to UCLA so if that door opens That'd be awesome. But if not, just close it because I don't want to be anywhere that I'm not supposed to be. So I've sort of operated under that um, sort of position mentally for a long time. I'm doing it now as we're buying a house. I'm doing it, you know, I did it with Haven. I was like, you know, when I was auditioning for that, I was like, listen, if I get this part, I have to move to Nova Scotia for six months out of my year. And that's really hard on me and my marriage and my friends. But if I don't get it, I get to stay in L.A. with everybody. And so I don't get that show. I'll do something else, you know. Um, if the door opens, I'm going to walk through it and see what happens. And I'm going to keep on walking until it closes. So in that aspect, I do feel like I reached a crux in my life with what I wanted to do where I was like, do I want to do a hor be a horse vet or do I want to act? I want to act. So in that way, I feel like I did chose it, choose it. But I also feel like... I've really been blessed and I'm not, I do not take that for granted. The fact that these opportunities have come to me and I'm so thankful for them. I think it's a yes. And I did choose it, but it also said, yes, I pick you too. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Well, congratulations on that. Um, and then the last question is, um, if you could take all of your experiences, um, 
going back as far as you want to go back, um, everything that you've learned uh, before um, starting your, your professional career, everything that you've learned since starting your professional career, if you could take all of your experiences and your learns and boil them down to like one nugget of advice, hmm. like the, what you believe is the most important thing Huge to impo- impart on, you know, say an actor who is either just starting out or who might be interested in acting or who is already acting and kind of, beat, you know, beating the street, mm-hmm. what, what would be like that one nugget? Um, I think it's a little bit of a string of thought and the first thing comes with, uh, working really hard, 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 hard work. Like, I I think I definitely am where I'm at because I wasn't afraid of working hard. You know, I didn't kind of bulk or say that's going to be three years of my life. I'm not going to do that. Um, (laughs) working hard. And then I think it also boils down to a piece of information I got in grad school from a great actress, Salome Jans, who said, trust that you're enough. And so I think I always get really, really scared that I'm not enough. I get scared that after Haven, I'm never going to work again. I get scared that I'm not, that I'm going to, you know, be that sci-fi actress that had a show. And now she's just a sci-fi actress who never does anything. And these are the fears that I have, but I just have to trust that I am enough when I go in that room for the part and that who I am is, is, is great and that's okay. And that's not validated by anybody else. And then, um, so in that way, also some grad school advice too, to do your homework and forget about it. Who I got from Judy, our voice teacher, do your homework, do it, work really hard and then forget about it, which is trusting that you're enough, trusting that you have, poured all that research into your brain because like when I do shows like ER where it's a bunch of medical stuff I'm like is anybody going to believe that I'm a surgeon or when I did a show you know uh, the operating instructions show where I had to be a soldier or when I was Beth and I'm like how in the heck am I going to convince people by being this short blonde haired blue eyed girl that I was a war soldier like or an FBI agent I feel like people take one look at me and go no she's an actress playing an FBI agent she's not an FBI agent all these fears that come in my mind trusting that there are people out there that also short blonde hair blue eyed cops that you wouldn't take seriously that are real cops but then also trusting that if I get that opportunity and that door opens that I'm that I'm enough and that I've been put there for a reason and that it's also not just about the acting. It's about the people that you're going to be spending your time with at that show. It's about, I am put in that place. I am put in Nova Scotia for such a time as that. And I will be spending time with those people. And they're going to be going through different things in their lives. And Haven's a great project we get to work on together. And that's super fun. But at the end of the day, Lucas's family, his wife, his daughter, my hairstylist, his, her you know, boyfriend, my makeup artist, the things they're going through, that's the most important thing. And so how can I be a blessing to those people there and then just get to play on the side? That's not really like boiled down. <laughs> that's no, pretty, it's pretty epic. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, it, uh, great answer. Great advice. Um, yeah. wow. Um, this was great. I, I, this like exceeded my hopes and dreams and expectations for this interview. Uh, it's been a long time coming. I'm so happy to have you on our show. I'm um, so happy to be here. And I'm so glad that despite the seasons of change in our lives where things, you know, like the show takes me away from the ensemble or whatnot, that 
that we're still able to be friends and that I still listen to your podcast and that you guys are doing such great work. And I'm always telling people all the time when they ask me, you know, what do you suggest? I'm like, get into a theater troupe, do something, check out Mm. the Los Angeles Theater Ensemble. They are the most inspiring group of people I work around. They're so committed and hardworking. And those are, that's the kind of artist that you should be. You shouldn't be asking for somebody else to pay you for work. You should be creating your own work. And so I really admire you guys for doing that. And you guys have like left a stamp on this city in the world of theater. And you should be so excited that you were like a part of doing that. That's so exciting. I mean, like we can go out and work for other people all the time, but you guys have created something, you know, not just shows. You've created an entity that's like impacting and part of the theater world in L.A. So kudos to you guys. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. you. And you were there too. Yeah. I was. You were there too. I was a small part of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, can I plug my Twitter account? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were just going to ask how people yeah. can get in touch with you. So. Yeah. Um, at Emily Rose LA is my Twitter account. And I was adamantly against Twitter for a long time, but now I love it <laughs> because I'm a theater person and I like to talk to my audience after the show and Twitter mm-hmm. lets me do that. Cool. Cool. Beautiful. We'll definitely put a link to that on our, on our website. Please do. Um, Emily, thank you so much. Thank it's so you. great to sit down with I'm you. I'm so sorry it's so long, but no, <laughs> Jeff. I only wish we could be longer. Great content. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hello, folks. Welcome back as we bid adieu once again to Emily Rose. Um, I'm really excited to see her. When I get back to LA, she sort of co-inspired the Digital Actor Workshop way, way, way back in the day. And I just find it so poetic that I will now be teaching the third year MFA grad students, which is how I originally met her. She, you know, she was a grad student at UCLA, and so she's been that third year grad student. And some of the things that she did in that third year of her grad school are what we, her and I worked on together to create this workshop that I am now going back to UCLA to teach. Very cool. And, and of course, po- you know, potentially interview her again because like I said before, she's married and, and has a kid now and, and uh, you know, went through five seasons of this show and it's been a journey. And, we, and, we, and we've always had a goal of having a consistently working actor who's a, who's a parent as well on the show. Um, I think the last person we had that fits that description is probably... Uh, Neil McDonough, right? Uh, in terms right. of like, in terms of like somebody who works a lot, who also has kids. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess we've had a few. Like James Demont comes to mind because oh, yeah, he brought his son to the recording with him. But <laughs> that's right. Um, I mean, we haven't never. That's never been like a, a focus of the interview, though. So cool. What is your awesome. pick of the week this week? Oh my god! So <clears throat> I mentioned it earlier. Um, Pixar's new film, Inside Out. Uh, we saw it the other day, and I can't. I still. I'm almost speechless. I still have not figured out how to talk about this movie and how good it is. Um, I laughed really hard and I wept, like bawled my eyes out multiple times. Um, if you think about like the first ten minutes of Up, and how emotionally uh, impactful that was, there are multiple moments like that throughout this film. It is really well done. It's extremely smart. It's very funny. It's very touching. There, oh God, there's so many things to talk about. Not the least of which being like it's going to give, you know, parents and children this 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 sort of metaphoric language or vocabulary 
with which to talk about feelings. Mm. And, and so, you know, uh, it's, you know, parents can maybe ask their kid, like, are you feeling sadness? Are you feeling joy? Are you, you know, whatever. And they, they kick and maybe describe the, the, the complications of, of that. Well, I'm feeling, you know, all of it. Some people are calling it the best Pixar movie ever, wow. uh, including Jasmine. And we're talking about Wally, the Incredibles up the Toy Story trilogy. I haven't checked recently, but as of like last week or the week that it, that it, that it premiered, it had a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Which was higher than up. It, it's no joke. It, 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 is, it, is a, it is a very, very, very good film. And you, I think great for kids and adults alike. Can you give us a very brief synopsis of what it's about? So it's, it, it basically takes place, the majority of the film takes place inside of a 11-year-old girl's uh, head running her brain are um, the sort of five main emotions. There's anger, fear, um, joy, sadness, and wait, is that, that's not, is that all of them? Love, Anger, maybe? fear, joy, sadness. No, I no. that's funny because Jasmine and I talked about that, about uh, how they didn't uh, choose to have love. Oh, disgust. <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> which, uh, which might add up to, to those five things may add up to, to, to love. Um, <laughs> And uh, and they're sort of up there, you know, uh, running the show, making decisions, helping her to, you know, process life. And it's just really interesting. You know, she what happens in the film is that her family moves from like Minnesota. She plays hockey, too. So I was like I I was giddy from the beginning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The main character uh, loves playing hockey. She's her family in the beginning of the film moves from from Minnesota to San Francisco, and and sort of so the movie is about the 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 sort of the sort of the fallout of that and her you know not being able to really um, process or express the emotions that she's feeling. Okay, cool. That sounds like a tearjerker. It's. Amazing. Amazing. I'm excited to see it. So worth seeing in the theaters? Yeah, I think, I mean, we didn't see it in 3D or anything, but I mean, it's not, it's not so much, you know, a uh, action packed big screen, like you have to go see it on the big screen type, type film. But I will say that, I guess my point is see it as soon as possible. Okay. (laughs) And that right now means seeing it in the theater. Like, dude, don't wait to see it. Okay, but that's awesome. that's that's how good it is. All right, well then it's on the list. Sweet, cool. Well, uh, what is your pick of the week, my friend? My pick of the week is a book called "The Hundred Dollar Startup" by Chris Gullibo. Um, many of you may recognize Chris's name from uh, "The Art of Nonconformity," which was a pick of yours uh, a while ago, AJ. A couple of mm-hmm. years ago, you picked that book. I remember, um, and I, I love Chris's stuff. He's a, he's like an online sort of. Uh, present like character presence personality whatever but he's not like a personality he just he just advocates for you know entrepreneurship on you know tiny levels on a tiny level that's what this book is all about the hundred dollar startup is about starting and running a micro business so it, it directly applies to actors there's a lot of case studies a lot of stories about people who have sort of found really unconventional ways to to create businesses for themselves that allow them to reduce or altogether leave uh, their day jobs, and uh, and you know pursue uh, what a calling or what they feel is a you know a really sort of nice blend of where their passion is and what the world needs. 
and you can all and the idea is that like you shouldn't have to spend more than a hundred bucks to get started. Everything from consulting to delivering mattresses on bicycles to to um, oh, I'm drawing a blank. There's like fifty different stories in there. It's it's a really fun book, really exciting, and it really gets the gears turning. So uh, if you're an actor and you're thinking I don't like my thrival job anymore, I might like to work for myself. This is a a must-have resource. Most of because Chris releases most of his stuff as like downloadable PDFs. Is it, it you have an Amazon link here? Yeah, this um, is this is an actual book you can go get at the bookstore. Yeah. All right. Yeah, he's got a few. He's got a lot of e like um, information products that you can download online for you know starting at like thirty nine bucks all the way up to like one hundred and fifty bucks you know for a PDF and some audio recordings and that stuff's great. I've I've bought several of those of his as well and they're all top notch. But uh, this is an actual book you can get for like you know nine bucks on your Kindle. I, in fact, awesome. I would say I would say get this book before you get any of his other stuff because there's some other stuff that is sort of folded into this book. Awesome. Yeah, so that's $100 Startup by Chris Gullibo. And then we have uh, a listener pick from longtime listener and uh, increasingly good friend of the podcast, Mike Bowers, or Bike Mowers on Twitter. And uh, Mike has been listening for a long time. He's written into the show a lot. And I, I've actually gone to his place and, and read uh, a few of his scripts at, like, you know, readings with friends and stuff. And he's a really talented writer and just an all-around really, really good guy, hardworking guy, talented guy. And and he writes in with his pick, which is the movie Nightcrawler, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Rene Russo. And it's on Netflix right now. I actually saw it the other day, and I was like, oh, I should add that to my my queue. And then I got this email from Mike uh, like a day later. And he says, uh, it is a freaking fascinating movie. Jake Gyllenhaal plays a morally ambiguous man who stumbles his way into filming footage for the 6 a.m. news. And then he climbs his way up the quote-unquote ladder getting more and more money for his footage by means that are certainly unethical and at times illegal. What we, during the previews of one of the films we went to see this week, there was something with Jake Gyllenhaal in it. I can't right? Oh, Southpaw, I think. Yeah. And um, after after the preview was over, Jasmine turned to me and said, we never saw Nightcrawler, did we? And, and I was like, no, we didn't. And then like the next day, Mike sent us this email. So it was very... Very strange. All signs point to we have to watch this. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> seriously, for both of us. Cool. So that's uh, The $100 Startup by Chris Gillibo, Inside Out, the latest Pixar Oscar award-winning film, and uh, <laughs> the movie Nightcrawler, which you can get on Netflix. Uh, Netflix Instant. You can stream it right away. All right. We have our member win of the week. Many of you have been following uh, this person's journey through the, the podcast. But it's so fascinating to have it come to this moment in time. So um, T. Monique Patterson hosted her very first, very successful webinar, which uh, was called the Indie Guide to Costuming the Cast. Now, if you'll remember in uh, Monique's journey, she did not start out as a costumer. And it was something that she sort of like gravitated to and ended up it ended up leading to her booking acting roles uh, from stories past, as you may or may not remember. And uh, this was her first webinar, her first PowerPoint. The moderator complimented her PowerPoint presentation, her preparedness, her performance. And she was able to do this all. This is one of my favorite parts. She was able to do this all while working around her production schedule because she's still costuming, traveling to San Francisco to see her son graduate from high school. And of course, just figuring out how to do it all because she had never done a PowerPoint or a webinar before. So anyway, she felt like all the hard work paid off and she's very proud of herself. And we are very proud of you as well, 
Team Monique Patterson. So you are our member win of the week. So epic, man. There's so much cool shit going on on the membership site. Great. Well, today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by me, Trevor Algott, and you, AJ Meyer. Jen Levin Levin is our rock star production coordinator, making a lot of epic shit happen behind the scenes uh, for episode 200. Gnali Gubrek is our marketing and web director. Jasmine Bristow is our director of public relations. And Deborah Smith is our community manager. Trevor Algott edited and and mixed today's episode and composed uh, our theme and interview music. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes at our website, InsideActing.net. You can also find us on iTunes, and your reviews, especially those five-star babies, are hugely appreciated. Yes. Special thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal 2, VO2GoGo.com, and The Headshot Truck. And thanks to you, our listeners. If you love Inside Acting and want to maximize its value in your life and career, Go ahead and sign up as a monthly member and get cool perks, like access to our membership message board, cool freebies, invites to exclusive member meetups, discounts on merchandise, and so much more. Just visit InsideActing.net and click on the membership tab. And that is it for episode 198 of Inside Acting 200th Duff Approacheth. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week, and in the meantime, be a part of the solution.